one. Spags, our super flex battles might be over, but we are not done fighting it out in the best ball streets because today we are going to go head to head, toe to toe with the Splash Play viewers. Yes, today is our first ever Splash Play Invitational Tournament. The spit is, is what we're calling it as a fun abbreviation, Pete. Uh, we're going head to head against you guys. There was a link right now in our YouTube chat, also dropped it in the Splash Play channel and Pete's Deposit Kingdom Discord. Looks like we got about two spots left to fill here on the screen. And it's an exciting time, Pete. We have not gotten to go head to head against our full audience in a while. And look, Pete, this is a tournament not for the big bucks. You are, in fact, drafting. Oh, no, you're drafting in the five hole. Never mind. It looked like you're going to be in the two hole. <laughs> uh, hang on real quick, Spags. Is this a super flex? Uh, yeah, that's all they have right now. Oh, oh, the private drafts are only super flex right now. Yeah, it's only whatever the major tournament is, it looks like, going on at that time. Gotcha. Okay, I didn't look into that enough. That's a, that's a surprise. I was like, these ADPs are way off. Although, I guess I should just say, these ADPs are still way off. Yeah, we do have a good room here. I'm seeing some names, of course, uh, we recognize a lot here. Casey Brown, of course, Peter Overzet, a guy who's really a big fan of our drafts, always wanted finding his way into one. Our guy Chip we got in here. We got some good people. So not all badge bros, either short game or dark. So it feels like we got a good mix here, Pete, even though with a super flex, I guess we will not be able to see the wide receivers stream off the board quite as fast. Yeah, uh, we will see. Uh, I finally got the 105, not when there's, what, $100,000 up top, but when there's $32 up top. So uh, I am very glad that I saved all of my influencer 105s for this self-contained private league. However, the bragging rights in the Splash Play community, that's what this is ultimately about. Yeah, so the biggest prize you can have is being a winner of our Splash Play Invitational Drafts, which we'll be doing here. I think once a month will be the goal. We'll still keep doing some head-to-head -head drafts, of course. So technically, Pete and I are head-to-head -head here, but now, Pete, we have the added wrinkle of people ruining our drafts along the way. I can't wait. I can't wait. Uh, speaking of, also some big news right before the stream. We yeah. gambling on Jameson. Jameson Williams out the first six games of the year. Uh, apparently been betting a little bit. Quinn says Cephas gets cut, which shows you right there, Pete, how how punishments go for the star players versus the guys where nobody's. Cephas gets cut. Jameson Williams are like, we hope he's going to learn from this one. Really do. Yeah, I mean, it's it's such bullshit. We can do the same conversation that we had about Calvin Ridley and the double standards with the suspensions for, you know, far, far more grave uh, crimes, uh, I guess. Uh, I am on the clock here. I have not been able to get a single Justin Fields share in the Superflex tourney, so I am going to get my first share here. Uh, feels good, man. And now you can reach for DJ Moore and feel good about that. Um, Justin Jefferson goes in the fourth spot, which is not normally how the big tournament super flexes go. So <sighs> I'm not going to get Jamar Chase coming back. I'm still going to take Joe Burrow, though. I, he did a lot of good things for me last year. He was a key driver of my, my best ball mania three finalist team, as well as a bunch of others. Carried me through a lot of bad Trey Lance lineups as well. Of course, with him putting up uh, mostly zeros last year. So Joe Burrow's my guy, Pete, and I... I hate Joe Burrow stacks because I just hate that you can't possibly get Jamar Chase feel the same way about Mahomes and Kelsey. Like it's one thing that bothers me about drafting these guys in Superflex. Uh, yeah, but like we've seen, you know, T Higgins dropping to what I've seen him go at pick like 45, 46, mm -hmm. 47. So, um, yeah, you're not going to get Chase, but Higgins is actually a pretty good, uh, consolation prize there. I feel like. Chase going in the first round it feels like feels like some of the people here in this draft are trying to play with some different approaches to drafts just because this room obviously not going to have the 100k up top that's been a, on the big board super flex lately. But I see Chip taking Jamar Chase in the first round. We see Cooper Cup going a little early. The people are getting a little bit less QB crazy in this room. 
Uh, yeah, I am actually trying to think. I mean, it's I know it's no fun to talk about uh, strategy differences when trying to win $100,000 versus trying to win $32. But I mean, you probably are rewarded to go even more robust QB in a smaller self-contained league. I'd have to think it through a little bit. But, you know, um, you're not trying to push and really thread the needle at specific positions. Like we always talk about the opportunity cost of, you know, if you're putting draft capital in this position, well, then you need to attack quantity in other spots. Like in these kind of leagues, I think you can, you can hit your four QBs. You can get to your three tight ends and just try to build out your floor because you're only having to beat 11 other people. That's a good point. I mean, definitely becomes more like a traditional DFS cash game build where you are trying to shank the uh, the floor of the QBs here and get a few guys. I mean, you basically, obviously, in a super flex, you do want your QB to fill that super flex spot more often than not. But I feel like, Pete, in this kind of format, you probably are going to need the QB to fill that super flex spot even more um, just because it's only 12 people. And I am on the clock here, um, have some nice QBs. And fitting Pete's thesis, I actually am going to, you know what? It's going to take Daniel Jones for the rushing uh, floor a little bit. Sean Watson can run too, uh, sometimes from the police, I suppose. So I'll take the Sean Watson. Um, considering that I had gotten bullied in psyops by the community into taking two at the one two turn, uh, this feels like a great value here at pick 20. So uh, let's go with Fields and Tua here. Yeah, Tua, Pete's bailout at the 112 spot in our last draft. We did, of course, catch up with the playlist. I'll actually leave it in the pinned comment down below to see all of our head to head drafts recently. Uh, but I think, you know, normally that Tua build with Tyreek looking pretty good. And you're going to get a little bit different by getting Tua and hopefully getting Jalen Waddle on the way back. Oh, no. I just noticed Larry two times showed up. Uh, just when I thought I was just going to slide into this weekend with a casual draft, it, uh, Larry, uh, let's, Larry, let's just. Can we have a truce today? Can we just, um, you know, I won't make fun of you. You won't troll my picks and we can just have a really hunky dory kumbaya kind of draft. Larry's got us on Twitter now too. Larry checked in with the splash play handle this week. So Larry's worming his way into your heart one by one. Larry, I definitely have Larry muted on Twitter as well. So I do not see those. <laughs> I gave Larry a like from both my handle and the splash play handle because I want I want to support Larry. I want to be on Larry's good side if he's on Pete's bad side. Well, that's that's how it works. We all we all that's kind of our relationship is we like to foster each other's enemies and support them as much as we can. But Larry, look, you're still in the probationary period. I am going to give your file a really uh, long review later this weekend, and we will be reviewing your mute status on both YouTube and Twitter if you continue um, with this good behavior. Yeah, I think that's that's the only way to look so, at it. You're on the clock here. You want to draft another QB for yourself? I'm not going to draft a QB. I am thinking about the interesting thing. Like, I think Lamb is in a tier ahead of Jalen Waddle, right? And this is oh, where right. I'm really trying to wrestle with, like, the correlation benefits. Waddle's not coming back. There's not a lot else to stack. Um, but I do think because this is a self-contained league, I am just going to take the best player, which I do think Lamb is in a, in a different tier than Waddle. But I think that this was a tournament setting and this board fell exactly. I do think I would take Waddle over Lamb. I mean, Waddle's one of my favorite players, but I do think that Amon Ross St. Brown is now going to be a little bit undervalued relative to ADP because Jameson Williams is going to miss a third of the season. So I'll take Amon Ra here, even though I don't know that it makes the most sense with my current two QBs. Yeah, but I do I, like, yeah, I like Waddle though. I think you should take him Waddle. 
But I mean, but do you you understand my thought process, right? I understand it. I think CeeDee Lamb, I mean, again, so like my reservations to the Cowboys offense, a new offensive coordinator, Brian Schottenheimer, who has shown to be as unaggressive as can be. We've had the Mike McCarthy quotes and coach quotes we know can be kind of nothing. But I think really, you know, adding Brandon Cooks, possibly adding, there's a lot of things linking them to Michael Mayer in the draft, another tight end who's not going to be a Jake Ferguson, who's actually going to command some targets. I think there's a world where CeeDee Lamb is still being perceived like he's a, you know, a top 10 receiver. And I think it's possibly as close to a wide receiver too this year, just because of all those things moving at once. I think it's close. And the reason this is hard for me is because I fucking love Waddle. I love the Miami offense. I love the pace they play at, how concentrated it was. And you can make a lot of arguments um, against CeeDee Lamb. And I haven't been the world's biggest CeeDee Lamb fan, but I do think if we're just trying to project who has the chance to really approach like a 25 to 30% target share, it is probably CeeDee Lamb. Um, and I'm not too concerned about Brandon Cooks and kind of the other weapons um, stealing from Lamb. I thought he really showed out well down the stretch um, for Dallas in a way that gave me more confidence in him as an alpha after calling him a fake alpha for a long time. So I think it's close. Like I said, if this was a tournament where I really needed to lean into, hey, I need these stacks to go off in three consecutive weeks, um, I'm definitely going with Waddle there. But because this is just going to be 1 through 17 cumulative, you know, essentially rotisserie scoring, I just want to take the player I think is going to score more points. It's, it's definitely interesting because I think if you actually went through like projections and you were kind of looking at that data point, like Waddle, I agree, like less volume theoretically, but also he's getting a higher A dot. He's a part of a higher scoring offense, the higher pass rate over expectation. So I think that's why I personally would have gone Waddle in your spot. But I also think CeeDee Lamb to me, like I take him sometimes and I kind of go like, oh, is he really going to be as good as even Devontae Adams, even as good as AJ Brown digs? Like he goes a little bit later than those guys now. But I kind of question if he's worth it. Just, I don't know. I just think CeeDee Lamb comes down to earth this year, but that's my my fear. Um, I'm on the clock. T. Higgins goes before me, of course. Oh, I- <laughs> oh Nick. Ouch. Yeah, Nick already apologizing in the chat. Oof. <laughs> Why? What, Nick? What? Oh, that's fine. There's no other receivers on the board. I get it. I guess I'm going to have to take an anchor RB here for myself. Yeah. A guy that I still believe in. Josh Jacobs, one of my most undervalued players on an FO article I did recently. So that's my pick. The sweet spot here is definitely for running back. I think there's a massive tier gap after Jacobs, ETN, and Ramondre. I do slightly prefer Ramondre. Um, I'm not buying any of this. Like Bill Belichick might go out and try to get Bijan uh, bullshit. So I'm going to rock with Ramondre here. I'm just still spooked by how little etn was used in the passing game and i know that that light could switch um or they flip that switch very quickly but i just don't know what's going to change to where he would catch a ton more passes especially with ridley back in that offense yeah i think that's a reasonable way to look at it and uh yeah no 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 objections there i should point out too pete actually uh i shouldn't say actually pete booked a guest for tuesday we actually booked a guest for once here because we have been kind of lethargic on that one we are going to have ron stewart on here he's been doing a great job covering dynasty covering fantasy football on youtube so come back on tuesday to check that out and people we're going to do on tuesday is actually project all these rookie landing spots and try to give our ideal ones and i will say for me um as somebody who got sniped on the top joe burrow assets I do think this is where my love of rookie tight ends is going to come in because I really do believe they're going to take one of those guys or at least have a good shot to take one of those guys who are going to leap up exponentially in value. And Darnell Washington, too, Pete, I think he's going to be a lion as, as my my latest gut take. Okay. The save till Tuesday. It'd be fun. Um, it would be very fun. You know, one thing I I was uh, I was behind on reading um, some of Sean Siegel's work over at Rotoviz, and he had um, a couple strategy pieces about the Superflex tournament before. And it was funny because 
he definitely was on board with how I've approached it of do not chase quarterback points at the back end of round one and two, beat them at other positions. But the position he highlighted in doing it because of positional scarcity, and we had a debate about this, was the Travis Kelsey, the elite tight end pick, and how he actually thought Travis Kelsey, and I don't want to put words in his mouth, but was essentially the skeleton key for drafters at the one-two turn or at the back end of round one, because it does give you the chance to put a six to seven point weekly buffer ahead of those early teams at the tight end position. So I thought that was a really interesting um, angle that he had there. Um, so this is, there are a ton of quarterbacks available here. Um, I think if I were just playing the ADP game, I'd probably just like grab a quarterback, but because it looks like one of them might come back to me, I am going to just go ahead and stack up Justin Fields with DJ Moore here. I don't, I have DJ Moore in the same tier as Hopkins and Williams, and even probably prefer him in a vacuum. So we'll get that stack with Fields. And meanwhile, I will not get Amari Cooper either. He does not come back to me. So this is really eating away all my preferred stack targets for these two QBs. Um, do I reach for a receiver? I guess I don't mind Mike Williams. I was also very close to taking Justin Herbert, so it hurts to see Mike Williams still left. Um, you know what? I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play into the cashiness <laughs> that Pete talked about and take my boy Anthony Richardson, my third QB, off the board. I don't know if Anthony Richardson is a cash pick, Spags. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Pete, we've talked a lot about rushing upside there from day one. He'll be filling a roster spot if Joe Burrow and Deshaun Watson can't get in. And, you know, I think I'm really just tilted about not getting T. Higgins or Amari Cooper. Can we just take a second, though, to kind of like applaud the Splash Play community? Because in general, we do these drafts and we pile in and what? Maybe like two to three, maybe four to five Splash Play viewers um, get in the draft, but then we're with some other randos because they were already in it. That's just how it works when you're hopping in a public tournament. Mm. We, the, the patience that our crew, that splash play nation is exhibiting in today's draft, it brings a tear to my eye because there's a lot of quarterback slappies out there. Spag. Sometimes I would even lump you in with them, but today I just want to say a lot of these quarterbacks are in check. People are making very measured picks. I think these guys are way more appropriately valued than where, because I was doing you know, you would see 14 quarterbacks go in the first two rounds. What's what's my math here? I think we're under that, right? Aren't we closer to like 10 or 11 just for a benchmark? Yeah, three, six, eight, 12, 13. Okay, so yeah, we're still we're still under. And I would say in rounds three and four, we really pump the brakes, right? Because this is where you start to see people chase their third QB. We didn't have a single QB go in the fourth round here. Yeah, I mean, I would have liked to have taken a receiver instead of Josh Jacobs, but I, I still like, I'm getting players that I enjoy in this draft, so I don't mind it, but it's tough because this is definitely different than some of the tournament rooms here. The Big Board Superflex just closed this week, filled, I think, 60,000 entries on there. Um, those drafts, it was like receivers would fall so often, so I kind of got, I would say, spoiled by that, and now it's like I've gotten sniped on two receivers that were very important to what I would have liked to have done here, so I'm just going to take an exciting player who I've enjoyed in Madden Sims. <laughs> Uh, here I was uh, talking about everyone showing patience uh, with QB, and now I'm watching them absolutely fly off the shelves here while I'm still uh, just holding my dick with two. Uh, although I feel pretty good about Fields, too. Uh, I wouldn't mind just punting my QB3 or more, maybe going with what I am now um, dubbing a barbell QB strategy where you get two early ones and then like two total flyers late. I could also bust out the condom again and do Mike White as insurance with Tua. So I'll have to think this one through. 
So you feel like if you take Mike White late, doesn't it kind of defeat the purpose of even doing a three QB build, really? Like, I mean, you're getting the handcuff and, you know, granted, we just talked about two are retiring. So, like, you know, that was a news item this week. I get it. But I feel like that's kind of the least upside, you know, third QB to take. Um, well, you know what? I, I more so agree with you at it being like a cowardly condom move in the tournament setting, but again, like protecting your starting spot in a self-contained league and raising your floor. I mean, one thing too, not that it's, I guess it's directly applicable to this point is like one of the things Leone saw in his best bell manifesto is just how important it is to have live active players, just either players who are going to be on the field with some kind of role come the end of the season. And so if you are knowing like, Hey, if two is out and I'm getting 15 points from Mike White, like just keeping yourself afloat at a really important position, I think is, is helpful. I'm okay. Take no, a break London. Um, but I guess theoretically though, like you're saying you want the active players, but couldn't you still get, you know, like, couldn't you get a more likely to have 18 act or I guess 20 active players than if you did take another QB? Well, yeah, but my thought would be in the range I'm taking Mike White, like I don't think any of these guys are high probability. Like, you know, he's in the Gardner Minshew, Hendon Hooker, um, Bailey Zappi range, right? Where it's like, man, at least when I select White, it's directly correlated to those points getting in my lineup. Um, whereas what? Those guys all have maybe a sub 10% chance outside of the correlation with Tua. I don't know. I might be thinking about it wrong. That's just how I've kind of fleshed it out in my head for this self-contained league. Yeah, Hendon Hooker, I think, has a shot, but then, you know, you're not stacking him up anyway, so I guess that could kind of be a wash. Um, I don't know. I feel like for me, like, instead of taking a handcuff QB, I would be more inclined to take, like, a terror. I mean, I love Terrace Marshall. I've been pretty clear about that. But I'd take a flyer on him. I'd take a flyer on Rojo. I'd take a flyer on one of these guys right now um, before the draft, but... I get it. I get you want to have a QB who's got the Miami Dolphins offense and like, you know, they are kind of theoretically worth it. I guess if you did get Mike White as a part of a Dolphin stack that nobody else has. I'm going to say something really courageous and it might mm -hmm. shock this community, but no matter what KZ does here, uh, I'm not taking Kyle Pitts. I'm lining up a, a different strategy for this draft. Uh, I've already thought, KZ, I want you to take Kyle Pitts. And if you don't, Spags can take him or Nick or TTP. I am not taking Kyle Pitts in this draft. Thank you, KZ. Congratulations. See, uh, people are talking. So our guy Nick is one of our our biggest Panther believers. Talking some down things about C.J. Shroud. I guess people liking Bryce Young. So what are you going to do here, Pete? Because I guess you know Bryce Young is gone too. So you don't get a choice of any of these guys. Yeah, I wanted to take Jameer Gibbs. He is who I had been penciling in. I do kind of like this pocket for running backs. I don't feel like doing Dalvin Cook. I'm going to do J.K. Dobbins. All right, I think Jamison Williams would be an okay pick for me here, but obviously I do think his value is going to come down because he's missing, again, a third of the season. And I still am holding a torch for Anthony Richardson to the Colts. So Michael Pittman, his top target, will be my pick here. And finally, Pete, a theoretical stack comes my way as long as, as, long as Anthony Richardson gets drafted by the team that he probably won't get drafted by. Yeah. So I do think we can flesh out this conversation. Vaporware saying, I don't think stacking is as important in cash contests. And... It is a bit of a mind fuck because I've talked to Leone about this. Um, and sometimes even when he's playing like the Thunderdome and DFS, you know, a 35 person contest, he actually thinks overstacking is even more viable, right? Because at the end of the day, you're just trying to eliminate the number of things you get right. So if you stack up two games, you know, and you use seven of your nine DraftKings spots on like two games, and those two games are solid or go off, like you're probably shipping the Thunderdome versus having to hit 
um, you know, in this case, like an 18 leg parlay, 20 leg parlay, if you're not correlating any picks. So I go back and forth on it. I do agree. You do not want to reach a ton for stacks here, but I still think as like a tiebreaker or at ADP, um, you should definitely be getting stacks even in a self-contained league. Wasn't it Osmo who won last year, the spy with like a five man stack or something. And like yeah. people just weren't building that way. And I, I agree. Like I know for best ball, people might be inclined, but you still kind of want to capture, like if anything, I would say you just play a cashier stack. If you want to get, you know, let's say Jalen hurts with Gainwell with like one of Devonta or AJ, like you just want a team that's going to be good and put up a lot of points throughout the course of the year. Well, and one of the things too, that we talk about a lot in season is the idea of single game correlation, you know, you know, Brady and Evans go off, you know, in one game, but then there's season long correlation, the undervalued team. So like the Jags were a good example of that. Like if you had Zay Jones and Evan Ingram and stuff as late picks, like you were doing really well because you got to reap those benefits over the course of the season, even though they might've been negatively correlated in a single game standpoint. So in a self-contained league where we're not playing for you know, individually uncorrelated weeks, I do think it makes sense to make like pretty big concentrated bets. Like I'll probably in this draft build out a big bet on the Bears offense being an ascending offense. And I won't have any problem tacking on a Khalil Herbert, Deontay Foreman, et cetera, et cetera. Just knowing like the bet I'm making is on fields going like insane this year. And I want to concentrate around that as much as possible. I'll get some questions about what would uh, Jameson Williams ADP be right now. Um, obviously Superflex is going to be a little bit different. Let me see what the most recent one was in not Superflex. So his ADP Pete in the regular drafts was 54.8. I would think his real ADP, like his main draft ADP is going to be closer to a Superflex ADP down where he'll be probably seventies, maybe early eighties. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, us fantasy drafters in the tournaments are just still so sick, um, in that, you know, I mean, even DeAndre Hopkins last year, six game suspension, he was going, still going in the sixth. I know Jamison Williams um, isn't as good as DeAndre Hopkins, or at least the jury's still out on that. But yeah, I don't, you're still not going to get a massive, massive discount on JMO. Like all of a sudden, well, you know, I already tweeted out, what if he's the low advance rate guy you need? Um, all right. I feel like I end up in with Desmond Ritter and all of these because I take either Drake London or Kyle Pitts, but I will be done at quarterback most likely here with Ritter stacked with London. Yeah, and you could set up that Mac Holland stack late, which was one of those news items, Pete, that I completely missed. Like, I didn't see Mac Hollins went to the Falcons, and I saw it last week. It was like, whoa, Mac. And I was like, this isn't big news at all. <laughs> they don't know. Uh, I, I know it was uh, it was big news in my life because I I have been tacking Mac Hollins. Like, Mac Hollins is one of those guys that I actually think is, like, good. You know, if you think yeah. back to some of the dusty Falcons third wide receivers, I always think of Olamide Zacchaeus, like the total dude that's just a jag. Like, we've seen Mac Hollins pop off for a 30-point game. Like, the dude can actually ball. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I just don't know there's going to be enough volume in Atlanta. Like our guy Tyler was saying uh, that he thought that both Pitts and London would outscore Pittman. I believe a lot in coaching, and I think Shane Steichen's the best coach who moved anywhere this offseason. So that's my thought, but people are going to feel differently. And speaking of, what are you going to do here, Pete? Yeah, so this is an interesting one. Um, I believe, yeah, I'm going to do another, hmm. This is tough. Um, I do this tier here with after Johnson and Burks. Um, I'm really worried about bombs going off with Rashad White and Tyler Algier. I know you're the Algier guy, so I'll leave him for you. I'm going to take Zach Charbonnet, who I think his yeah. workload and role is actually going to be more insulated than White and Algier. <sighs> Nick saying, here comes an auto Spags Tyler Algier click. <sighs> is he wrong? I don't know. 
Do I have to reach? You need a running back. Your favorite running backs right there. How are you not clicking Tyler Algier here? I am the world's foremost Tyler Algier fan. I will take him once again here. It's actually, I think, a credible reason. I think B. John Robinson's going to the Bucks. Like, did you see that's one of two teams that he's visited so far? It's the Eagles and the Bucks. And I don't think the Eagles are taking him at 10. I think the Bucks, he's gonna get, he's gonna fall there and they're gonna fuck up Rashad White shares. I the two landing spots that make the most sense to me as not like I think you should go here, but what I think the team would actually pull the trigger is the commanders and the Bucks. Those two both like check out to me in like a very logical way. I think commanders say Kincaid. It's my pick. Ugh, that would be, ugh, I don't like that pick if they do that. But why? They have an open offense. Like they have Dotson, they have McLaurin. You add a tight end who's not Logan Thomas. And Logan Thomas, if he were still healthy and like the guy two years ago could get there. I think that's what they do is they want to play an open offense. The enemy play calling for the first time in his career without Andy Reid kind of handholding him or whatever the case may be there. I think that's what the commanders are going to do. So, you know, I think Kincaid goes to either the commanders or the Packers in the middle of the round. And I think it's like a coin toss to me, but we'll see. I, I, I think I don't, this is how I feel. I feel like this is a deep tight end class and there's lots of talent and different flavors of talent. You know, Darnell Washington and Kincaid, very different types of players. You know, even Michael Mayer, maybe a little bit boring, but more well-rounded. Even you got the depth guys like Laporta and Kuntz and all these guys to me using the 16th overall pick on what I assume would be the first guy in what I consider a flat tier as far as tight ends just doesn't seem like the best use of capital. But I guess you could counter and say, hey, they don't pick again until pick 47. All those guys you might mention would be off the board. But pick 16 feels rich for Kincaid, especially because we didn't get um, really any measurables from him uh, since he skipped the combine. Yeah, no, he's he's an older player coming off of a, fr a fractured back, though a fractured back that he played through against USC again and, and ruined that second game against Utah. Um, again, not, not tilted at all, but it, the guy's that good that I'm that sold on him. Um, I get it. I just think that they want to play a certain style of offense. And I think, you know, the moves they made with taking Dotson last year, like I think they want to spread it out. And I could be completely wrong, but I think Kincaid's valuable there. And, and I wouldn't say like taking a running back over Kincaid's better because you expect Robinson to be better this year too. Like, do you want to then waste that capital you had last year? And they clearly loved Robinson. Like, I don't think he was great, but they fed him the ball like they loved him. So I think he gave him one more year, and then, you know, I don't think taking Bijan makes sense for them personally. We'll find out. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Should, you should promote the uh, the draft stream next week, too, while we're talking about this, because we are going to give some player takes, and you're going to be on for three hours giving all your draft player takes. Uh, yeah, so ship chasing annual tradition. Um, there's going to be a ton of draft streams next week, because I'm actually going to be hopping on the Fantasy Life one um, for the first bit, and then uh, we'll be, of course, holding it down over on ship chasing, uh, and yeah, Spags is going to swing by. We're, we're in the process of booking guests, but basically all of your favorite uh, ship chasing adjacent personalities who have been on the Thanksgiving streams, the draft streams over the years are going to be swinging by uh, for a night of what I imagine is drinking and tilting and talking about fantasy impact. So yeah, ship chasing will be flexed from Wednesday night to Thursday night. 8 p.m. to midnight uh, live stream. So you guys should uh, check us out. Spags will be swinging by for an hour or so. It will be a fun time. Um, I mentioned building out my bet on the Bears. I still always have a little sticker shock on Khalil Herbert relative to Deontay Foreman ADP, but I am going to just take Herbert here. It's like, are you going to reach for Mooney here? Where was he going? But that makes no. more sense to take Khalil Herbert instead. And I have to point out, too, I did finally get a pass catcher to go with Deshaun Watson, Pete. David Njoku here going in the 118 spot or 115 spot. 
Yeah. Uh, yes, chat. Pat will be back from Paris. Uh, when you're a millionaire, you can do these things where you don't have to justify like going to Paris for a week. You can just be like, we're going to just go for the weekend. That's, that's how you know you're really rich is if you can just go somewhere really nice for the weekend. Like what I was talking about to my wife about going to Japan, I'm like, we got to go for a fucking month to make this mm -hmm. worth it. You know, where it's like when you're Pat, oh, we're just going to go maybe for dinner and then maybe take the red eye back. Has Pat flown private since he got like you're more intimate with his his leaning? Because I would that'd be the first thing I do is like private jet wherever. Like let's just do it. I mean, he did win two million, not two hundred million. Uh but it's, no private jet flights like 10k. Like, yeah. you know, if you're if you're weighing first class versus private jet, I'd do private jet if I got the big winnings. I mean, it, it would be nice. Of all the like luxury things, like it, trust me, would I have fun like hanging out? for a summer on a yacht don't get me wrong absolutely but if you made me choose like which billionaire like luxury item would you want like your own private plane has to be the number one thing you get to be able to fly on demand not having to deal with airport security and in like a luxurious setting that sounds beautiful i would join one of those like private jet cabals where you're in a group of <laughs> yeah. like 100 people like because Affording your own private jet be awful. Like people say a boat's the worst cost you can make in your life because of all the upkeep and whatever. Private jet would really, <laughs> the cost of that, of owning that would add up pretty fast. Yeah. Um, I just selected Pat Phil Helmuth. I needed a tight end. I like him. Nine picks past ADP. Easy click for me there. Well, I hate Elijah Moore. Um, <laughs> that's been pretty clear, but I do like Damian Harris. I do like... Damian Harris. I'm going to take Damian Harris here. I just need more. <laughs> I do. How many times can you say, I do like David Harris? It's almost like you need to say it so many times that you convince yourself it's true. I mean, are, are you a believer in his spot? Because I feel like some of my favorite guys to click in drafts have been Harris, Rashad Penny, um, and, and Miles Sanders too. Like I think those three and Singletary late in drafts, like all the free agent guys I think are undervalued still. Harris came up a bunch when he signed with the bills, but I still think like he is the hammer to the nail that they've been looking for at running back for a while. Yeah. I don't see how he doesn't get 10 touchdowns this year, at least. I, I'm with you. Like, in some draft, and obviously he's moved up, but, like, you cannot look me in the face and tell me Jamal Williams or Brian Robinson or even A.J. Dillon should be going ahead of Damian Harris for the same reason you just said. Like, his touchdown expectation is going to be outrageous in this offense. And then that doesn't even factor in some almost contingent value, you know, like if, if James Cook got hurt and now he's in the like 15 plus touches a game type thing, like he could just be a monster. So if we're chasing touchdowns, I'm definitely chasing the touchdowns in the Bills offense as opposed to the Jamal Williams touchdowns where you're paying for Lions touchdowns last year at New Orleans prices right now. And Nick, trying to predict my pick here, saying an auto Michael Thomas pick incorrect, my friend, because of how much I like Damian Harris and, and also Damian Harris. <laughs> Uh, $2 million in New York is like $20. I don't think, like, Pat's not spending lavishly. Like, he didn't upgrade the home. Like, that's the thing that gets you. Like, if you upgrade, because I yeah. did that once when I had my own site. Uh, my site guy as many years ago, best known for Katie Nolan now, and only known by me at this point in the world. Uh, but, like, we were making money. I was like, I got to get a sick apartment. I had an apartment, Pete, where I was paying, like, six k a month in rent. And, like, that's where you start to really waste money, is if you're buying, like, a nice apartment or renting a really nice apartment, and it goes to nothing. Like, at least Pat's got experiences. Yeah, uh, I know. That is the, uh, I mean, $2 million, like, I I honestly think what, I haven't looked in a while, but $2 million gets you, like, an okay two-bedroom in Brooklyn, probably. Yeah, yeah like, like a nice part of Brooklyn, but yeah, like, you're not Yeah, like a good location, okay size, but it's not even going to be, like, new construction or, like, anything like that.
Yeah, poor fat. Poor, the worst place to win $2 million is if there's ever a bad time. Also, you yeah. might actually know the answer, so I shouldn't ask you. Do you think BBM4 is going to be like 5 mil? Because I kind of get that vibe from the promotion thus far. I do feel like I have to be quiet because I know the details of uh, BBM4, okay. but I've been sworn uh, you know, to secrecy here. So all I'll say is this. I'm, I'm very stoked on the structure. I'm very happy about it. Um, I think... I'll say I think it adds a couple wrinkles that'll be fun to discuss from a strategy element while also maintaining kind of the elements of BBM that are so fun. So that's all I'll say on that. Everyone pointing out 2 million tax. That's true. 1 million does get a little bit worse with that front. But hopefully, look, I don't want to speak for Pat. Hopefully Pat did some creative accounting, wrote off every time he's thought about football in the last year because, you know, that all comes off the winnings if you do it. Do it smart, I guess. Or not smart. <laughs> Depends how aggressive you're willing to get in trouble <laughs> with certain <laughs> jurisdictions, but I don't know. All right, I'm coming up on the clock here. We'll see what the regular board is. And of course, guys, I should do the quick pander here. If you're watching live or after the fact, make sure to subscribe to Splash Play. We'll be talking about fantasy football all year round here. Of course, more drafts, doing these things, hopefully give back to the community, you know, whatever that means, by doing some live drafts from you guys where you get to pay $5 to draft with us. Uh, either way, though, we will be doing these invitational drafts monthly. So for bragging rights, if you want to get that, uh, come get in the mix here now. And I am on the clock again. Um, I kind of like backdooring my way, but I need to get stacked somebody. Hog, hog all those Bills touchdowns with Dawson Knox, brother. I mean, that's what I'm thinking. You you knew exactly what I'm thinking. I think I'm going to hog these, these Bills touchdowns. Running back and tight end, they don't correlate together perfectly. But in terms of capturing Bills touchdowns, it's the best shot I got. Um, Yeah, we're going to keep stacking it up. Um, I I, There's only one time I really like. There's two conditions where I'll select Cole Komet. One, when I have Justin Fields. And two, when he slips 20 picks past ADP. This falls um, uh, in, the, in the former category. So uh, Cole Komet, come on down. GM, except all you sports betting sickos out there, get help. I mean, I, I think if you're betting responsibly, you're fine. Betting is a great thing to do for making some side money, especially with certain products, Pete, that take forever to get done. <laughs> because South American developers really a, a lethargic approach, some could say, Jeez. the final touchdowns. Just be, be very careful with uh, which uh, impl implications. No, no. It's honestly because yeah. they don't work weekends, which is like the thing, which is great, like great for quality of life. Tough for getting a product out when you have to keep sending emails and waiting for a product to be out. Yeah. We'll um, survive. Is, is it ever going to release? I don't know. Probably. <laughs> that's why that's why it's been named as such. No, it looks like May will be our probably release. You know what? Time. When I was reading your most recent, uh, you guys should subscribe to the uh, the free probably newsletter. I didn't realize, and I should have known, knowing the inventor of uh, superior players and whatever, that probably, I just thought it was a cool name, but it is actually an acronym. And I had to roll my eyes when you actually spelled that out. Yes, probably my startup, which you can get on the waitlist, probablyapp.com. And you should, honestly, the simplest betting tool that exists will be the Probably app when we can finally show it to the public and feel good about it. Uh, but yes, probably does stand for probability ranked order by live yield, which is what you should be doing for betting for anything. Pete. You know what, Spags? Uh, I have a feeling that people are probably going to stick to just saying probably and or probably adopt <laughs> that, that full name. You don't think it gives us like an air of science? Taking Tyler Boyd here. Now I have stacks for all my players. What a win. The Joe Burrow, Tyler Boyd stack that did nothing for me last year. Back in my life again. But no, I feel like acronyms like, you know, scuba is an acronym. Yeah, so is ATM. I'm, I'm well aware of like how uh, acronyms work. I, I probably is a good name. It has like it. 
it infers and kind of tells you what the product is. You also spell it differently in like a disemboweled Silicon Valley startup kind of way. Like I'm, I'm on board with probably, I'm just telling you, no one is going to care about that acronym. I think that's a fair way to look at it, certainly. Um, but I, I think it's nice because we we do capitalize probably in probably scores. So I feel like if it's capitalized, then you know you want the acronym. You want you want what you're getting there. You want that acronym. You want that sweet acronym, baby. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a great thing to put on a PowerPoint presentation. That's about the extent of its usefulness for use bags. It's all just fun thought exercises. These are the kind of brain tricks that I do to to fill the day as Pete when you know when you're not getting paid, you gotta do something. <laughs> Uh, I don't, and people pointing out too, I should have taken DPJ. Um, where did that chat go? Yeah, I think I should have taken DPJ instead of Knox, but capturing Buffalo touchdowns is too appealing to me. Like, if you can get a share of one of these top five, you know, chances to win a Super Bowl kind of teams, I'm always trying to do that because I think that's one of the, um, be great if you got the stack, obviously, but two players kind of like a stack. Um, who was it? Uh, short gamer TV. Are you still in slow drafts from the big board? Yes, I am. Um, I definitely auto drafted a few picks when the clocks were starting to get shortened and they were firing fast and furious. I have gotten smarter now. And when I go in to make my pick, I'm putting guys in the queue that I would be okay with for one of my last selections. So now at least if I'm getting auto drafted, I at least have some control over it, but yeah, I believe I'm down to like 16 or 17 active slow drafts um and my i'm about to emerge from this nightmare though i still have one slow draft going it's weird like the times change in the slow drafts it seems um yeah. i'm on the clock here i should be worrying about that but like it goes to an hour during the day i didn't know that because i just hate doing slow drafts so that was a, a new find for me um all right i'm on the clock again uh i guess I guess is the time to reach a little bit for Irv Smith for my third tight end. What it, man, I just noticed, I was like, oh, this is about the point in the draft where I go to do the sneaky, not so sneaky, is he a Bondaconda pick because he's buried in ADP. And then I realized uh process did it at pick 135. There's too much Izzy steam. I would actively not draft Izzy in, I guess the big board's close. So you could start drafting him in the next one when that comes out after the draft. I, I don't think Izzy's worth this draft capital. I think it's insane how highly he started to get steamed up. I, I don't think I don't think it's insane relative to like you can poke really big holes in the prospect profiles of the other running backs going in this range, specifically like uh Spears and A Chain and these guys. I don't think it's crazy to have him him up in that range. You can, what did you, you do that warranted this chat? Pete's turning more and more woke now that he's got some cash. What did you, Peter, are you going woke and going broke? I thought it was. The, I, I, I honestly that. don't know what what he's talking about. Was it was it when I was telling you to not infer that uh, South American workers were lazy because it might be vaguely racist? I guess if that is it, yes, I'm yeah. guilty. I'm just learning about other cultures, and I learned that they <laughs> took four days off for Easter. It was like okay. Well, cool. Yeah. Great, great timing for that. Europeans um, take the entire summer off. I went to, uh, when I was in France and Spain uh, one year, Karain style. No, I actually had to go for a week because uh, I couldn't justify just going for a few days. I mean, the entire city was just shut down for August. No one was working. It's great over there. Nick pointing out that you can't believe that I took over over his boy, Alec. I needed to get another Burrow stack, and I didn't want to leave that to chance of it being one of the rookie tight ends who goes there. Um, and I think you should just get some Irv shares, honestly, in drafts in general. But I'm happy to see you took Alec Pierce. Uh, I'm kind of actually kind of surprised you took him over Jalen Hyatt. Yeah. Um, I guess I don't think of them as that different of bets, and I feel like we have more um, relevant info on Alec Pierce um, than we do Hyatt. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I like Alec Pierce still. Like, I, I am, you know, definitely a big fan. I think, honestly, both those guys are better picks than MVS in this range and Nico. So I think it's an interesting kind of range to be in. Yeah. Um, what am I going to do here? I guess I am just going to keep playing the hits. Um, Stu Devin Singletary. I had thought about maybe taking Damian Pierce when I was it when I took Dobbins. So we'll grab uh, Singletary here. I would have taken uh, Singletary if he had fallen, but now he's gone. Uh, Rashid Shahid, Wandale, not doing much for me. Thielen, not doing much for me. Uh, I think I'm going to take either Shahid or Wandale, Shahid or Wandale. Oh, I just, too many receivers for the Giants, and they might draft another one. I'm taking Rashid Shahid. There you go. Yeah, I. I like Josh Downs. I just want to say that out loud because Josh Downs goes late and he's been one of the guys that has fallen in super flex compared to like the previous draft formats where receivers inherently go a little bit higher because QBs are not as, you know, quite as central to the concept. Josh Downs, Pete, have you taken any shares of him? Cause I feel like he's not a trendy name, but he's, I think a better player than Zay flowers, like, and going to be more productive. He's not gonna have the draft capital. But I think he's a better player than Zay flowers. People just love him. And I just don't get why downs has fallen quite this much. Yeah. I mean, I- I, I have not selected downs a lot, and I do, like, I think you can have your take uh, that you do, and it makes logical sense, but the draft capital is going to be so important, and if Zay Flowers mm-hmm. goes pick 15 and Josh Downs falls to, like, the back end of round two or something, it's just going to mean, like, a really big shift in their probabilities of hitting year one that I think you have to respect ADP-wise. Oh, Nick with a good take that I like. Downs is going to go to Carolina. will be Young's number one target, 120 targets next year. Bold projection, but he was very good in uh, in college at North Carolina. So I do support that take. And then Nick asking a good question, a more of a strategy question. Let's say this is a big tournament draft. Is stacking Herbert, Eckler, Keenan, Mike Williams, Palmer, Everett way too much? That feels like too much to me, especially once you get to Palmer and Everett, because you kind of already wasted a lot of draft capital. But how would you handle that, Pete? Because it is a team that should be better with Kellen Moore calling plays. So I could see the enthusiasm, but I'd probably keep it as like a four-man stack. Yeah, I, I still don't mind it, too. Like, I, I mean, I even point to, uh, uh, and I referenced this in one of my Deposit Kingdom videos last year, there was a team in Best Ball Mania 2 that finished 7th overall, and this was obviously the full tournament gauntlet structure, that had devoted 11 of their 18 roster spots to two teams. They were all 11 Packers and Bengals. And obviously the Packers and Bengals were two very undervalued offenses that uh, this year. So... I mean, specifically in a self-contained, that's why I'm, I've am i been hammering how many bears do I have right now? You know, I'm up to like four or five bears. I think it's viable in this. So Wandale fell back to me, so I'm going to take him here um, just because I think this is still a pretty good value to take at this point. And at running back, I would have taken Kendry Miller, but he was taken. So that's where I'm going. Uh, what are you going to do here, Pete? Yeah, I mean, correlation-wise, I I would say, hey, just take uh, Cordero Patterson with your your Falcons here. You gave uh, Spags um, Algier, but I feel like my thought process still extends here where if they get another body in their running back room there, Patterson is going to continue to probably slide down the touching packing order. I think he's still going to have his like standalone role. Like He's going to get his touches the way they want to use him, but I'm going to take Tank Bigsby, a guy who I think at least has a chance to getting more carries and touches than Patterson in year one. And Bigsby, we pointed out too, not a guy I love based on the analytics, especially this SIS data sports info solutions, which I used to pull on my EPA data and advanced metrics for college players. Uh, but NFL teams love tank Bigsby and they feel the, the reports are that they feel like uh, Auburn kind of put him in a bad spot last year with how terrible that team was. So 
Um, Bigsby is a guy that I, I kind of have a bias against Pete, but I think once we get out of the NFL draft cycle, if he goes in the second round, like he should be treated like pretty much any of these guys, even though, you know, we like the Bijans of the world a lot more, obviously. Yeah. I mean, and that's why it's like, you know, everyone I trust as running back prospect evaluators are like, this class is so fucking wide open from like running back four to running back 14 and, you know, opportunity and draft capital and the depth chart is going to determine so much of it. So I'm just fucking spraying and praying, baby. Speaking of uh, Tommy G saying quick pop in, you guys are freaking awesome. Keep up the great work. That is very kind from Tommy G. Appreciate that. And of course, would ask you guys to subscribe here. We are on the March to 2000 subs. We want it so bad. So get in here and please uh, join the splash play community. Who are you picking Pete? Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, I got to get a rookie wide receiver. I passed on Hyatt. So let's get the arbitrage guy who I think could even have a better year than Hyatt in year one. Marvin Mims. Wow. Okay. I, I like that take. I, I think, I still think Hyatt is a tier above, but if you want to yeah. question the the Mickey Mousiness of the Tennessee offense, Mims played a played a man's role outside for a guy who's not that big. Um, I am on the clock here again. Do we keep capturing Buffalo touchdowns? <laughs> Khalil Shakir, I think I need to take a running back. I'll take Zach Evans, who's another one of those guys. The steam has not been there uh, so far in this draft cycle, but all it takes is one team falling in love with him, taking the second and third and him having a pathway like, if it's him being the Bengals running back and not Charbonnet, um, people will want Zach Evans. So all these rookies, I think, are still worth it if you are doing a private draft like we are. Yep. Um, that's a good question by Dustin. Will wide receiver become a bigger need for the Lions now? Um, I actually, I wonder if they clearly need a tight end, right? I know there's some Brock yes. Wright slappies out there. I wonder if they just use this as a push to even further uh, solidify the tight end position. Um, after losing Hawkinson, now you're not going to have JMO. I think they have some of those guys, like Khalif Raymond's still on the team, right? Like they have some guys who can who can stretch the field in a pinch. Um, you, is your guy Josh Reynolds still on the team too? I believe he is. Yeah, because right? he got signed a long term deal, and I don't think he got cut. Um, so but yeah, and they also signed Marvin Jones too. In Mar in Marvin Jones, so yeah, I actually don't consider them a team that's going to like spend uh, a top couple round pick on a wide receiver, but I could definitely see them being in the mix for one of those top five tight ends. I mean, if Mims goes third round, I think that'd be a good pickup by them. Like, I don't know that he will. I think he seems closer to a second round prospect, uh, but I think one of the tight ends goes there for sure. I don't think they're going into next season um, without, you know, with Brock Wright and uh, what's Mitchell as the other guy, I guess Mitchell, they did spend some draft capital on last year, but if you want to win big this year, like I think you take a tight end if you're them because they're, they're a team that thinks they can win the North. And like, I guess showed enough last year that you should buy in on that. Um, I mean, this is the the hottest question in the chat. I mean, everyone wants to know where Jamison Williams went. Jamison Williams went pick 81 in the seventh round to the Jared Goff drafter, our guy Chipsy. So here. it was an auto draft though. I think he said he had him in his Oh, queue. he did. Okay. So I, I, my guess is that does seem rich still, right? Yeah, because he went around the Godwin, Christian Kirk. He should probably be down now. I would say in the Addison, Cortland Sutton, Brandon yeah. Cooks, Gabe Davis tier. Yeah, I was looking at Cooks and Davis as my spot. I think, yeah. I mean, relative to getting a full season of Deontay Johnson or you know potential spike weeks out of Jamison Williams, you could start to maybe make the case, but I agree. Like, I think Addison... Okay, let's, let's do the, the ranking. Would you take Jamison Williams over Addison? No, I'm taking Addison. Would you take him over Cortland Sutton? No, I'm taking Sutton. Okay. Um, would you take Cooks over over Jamison Williams? That's probably my breaking point. Jamison. Mm. I, I would take him over Gabe Davis, I think. I wouldn't take him over Cooks. 
I think I think the right answer is probably all those guys over Jamison Williams, if I'm being completely honest. Um but yeah, I might yeah, I'm gonna slide him down a little further now that I think about it. I'm gonna slide him down right before the um the Jacoby Myers, Elijah Moore stuff. So I'm still taking Bateman and Quentin Johnson over him. Mm. And then I think you can take him in that. Once you hit Jacoby Myers, all bets are off. Go ahead. Fucking fire at JMO. All right. Who are you taking here? Um, I know I'm looking at this. Uh, and I didn't look with enough. Like white notice. Uh, I'm just taking uh, Paris Campbell. Jesus. <laughs> another of those many bodies in the Giants receiver room with reports. They want to draft another receiver as well. So. The Giants, I still like Wandale. Um, like, I think he's got the upside. He's really the only Giants receiver, maybe Slayton, who's shown, like, a tangible upside. I guess Hodgins did, too. Yeah, it's like they have enough guys. Like, if they had just went into this year, Pete, with Slayton, Wandale, and Hodgins, I'd be like, that's maybe a little bit under-talented, but for fantasy, I would love to stack them up. But now you add in Shepard, you add in Campbell, you add in them drafting a guy. The Giants are just a tough team to unpack because it's not like they're going to, like, sling the ball a bunch because they just paid Daniel Jones. Yeah, and I, I'm going to be completely honest, guys. I wish I had some soliloquy on why I think uh, Paris Campbell is such a great pick here, but I was having too much fun thinking about Jamison Williams and was completely caught off guard on that pick. So um, I have nothing interesting to say about Paris Campbell other than that I drafted too much of him last year, and I do think there's an alternate universe where he stays healthy and is like a better version of Curtis Samuel. I also should uh, reflect a little bit on why I said I would put him ahead of Gabe Davis. I do agree. Like, I still think that Gabe Davis is the one thing that stands out in that tier because I would take Quentin Johnson over Jameson Williams. If you're going to miss, you know, six Jameson Williams games. Um, but I think that Gabe Davis, like I'm really buying in the bills are going to bring in somebody that knocks Gabe Davis down. Um, I, the Hopkins thing, there's too much smoke there now. Um, I don't know how they pull that off, but it does feel like they're going to get somebody in who's going to, make Gabe Davis like the wide receiver three, which I think would make him a, a much lower draft pick. Right. Um, yeah. What do you, so now structurally what I only have two more picks. Yeah. We each have two more picks. I'm at a three, six, seven, two. Um, let's see here. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Running back. Should I get my, uh, is, uh, is Dwayne McBride gone? I don't think so. Oh, no, he is. Yeah, somebody's good. Yeah, man, he's another guy that's been – I've now been uh, resigned to having to take, like, Evan Hole because I've been getting boxed out on Dwayne McBride. I mean, the rookie fever is really uh, getting going. All right. Well, boy, here there is not a lot to like at running back. I will take – so James Robinson is still on the board. I think we both are generally Pierre Strong guys – but I feel like if we're going to, if this is a, just a one-off tournament here, I am going to take James Robinson as an ADP value. Ugh, disgusting. Just need, I just need bodies of running back at this point, Pete. <laughs> like I like the, the top three of my running backs. Uh, it really fell off of a cliff after that top three. I could come up with 10 guys I'd rather have over James Robinson that are still available. I just think you take them because it's the Patriots and it's you know, like, you know, it's not only now just the Patriots, it's, it's Bill O'Brien and Bill Belichick, two guys who love just digging their heels in on things that are not logical. So I agree. Like I'd prefer to play Pierre strong. I'd prefer if they draft somebody, which still seems not impossible, but they could just love James Robinson and like, Oh, Ramondre is fumbling James Robinson. Like I just, I just hate the Patriots, but you know, it's a possibility. Yeah. I mean, you can always have the narrative that there's going to be running back hijinks and tomfoolery with the Patriots. It's played out over the years, but if we're just viewing James Robinson 
in a vacuum and you look at his run out last year of getting cut by the Jags, landing on the Jets who needed running back production after Brees Hall went down and he couldn't even sniff the field over, um, what was it, UDFA, Zonovan Knight? I mean, I just, he's, that to me tells me he's so beyond cooked. Like, I just don't know how, and it's not like this is the Bills, right? It's like James Robinson on the Bills. Well, what if he's their goal line back, like eight touchdowns is in play. I mean, this is the Patriots, an offense that I do think is going to not have a shit ton of red zone op. So I don't know. It seems thinner to me. I'd rather just bet on the talent than hunting touchdowns in a mediocre op- offense. I just think there's a world where Ramondre does something that puts him in the doghouse and James Robinson's being fed 20 times a game and everybody's like, why didn't you draft James Robinson? It's like, because he looks bad in every metric. Uh, but he is a body and he's getting a new chance from a new coaching staff. Um, I think I desperately, man, you definitely make the case for another receiver, but my running backs, I just feel no confidence in. Um, I'm going to take Eric Gray, who is a guy that I don't take. A, actually, no, I'm going to take Rojo. It's more fun to take Rojo in this particular draft. But I do um, want to plant a flag for Eric Gray, though. He's going to be a fifth-round pick, but he's a guy that's got a lot of juice if he lands on the right spot. I had to telegraph my pick earlier in the show. Um, we call <laughs> that a little bit of foreshadowing in the entertainment biz. Mac Hollins, um, you know, you can't tease Chekhov's Mac and then not have the Mac appear at the end. It is, in fact, the return of the Mac here. So we will give you guys a chance to vote on which team you think is the best. Obviously, I think people who are drafting with us will probably vote for the one uh, that they drafted themselves, Pete, but... Uh, Deuce Vaughn, Eric Gray goes here, so Sotobot might be listening to the show. Um, any teams stand out to you? I'll, I'll refresh here, but any teams stand out to you as being better than both of our teams? Well, one thing that happens is when you have the 101, um, the teams tend to look really good. So, Paul, uh, I love what he did. So, you get Allen and then double tapping Taylor and Bijan there in this format just is so nice. And then he gets a lot of like wide receivers who have. Um, nice upside. And then he had really concentrated bits, uh, uh, sorry, really concentrated picks on these teams. So very heavy on Washington with that Sam Howell stack, Jahan Dotson, Terry McLaurin, um, and then also kind of backfilled with some bills there, James Cook. Um, so yeah, I, I like what he did here. That team looks nice to me. Quentin Johnson, too, I need to point out another guy that's been linked to the Bills and some of the draft rumors out there. So if they don't get a DeAndre Hopkins, Quentin Johnson could be the outside receiver they've been seeking. And apparently they're also prioritizing yards after catch. Quentin Johnson, the best yards after catch guy in the draft, I guess. Uh, maybe you can argue Zay Flowers, but he's definitely right there with them. Um, who won? All right, who won between us then? Well, I'll read. I'll read Pete's team normally today because it's only a private draft. I, don't I was going to say I feel like they're you know Spags. You and I, I think letting in the viewers as competitors kind of you know, remove some of the tension um, because you and I have had some knock them, drag them down, uh, whatever you say, battles here. <laughs> not, what is the phrase? Not, not, I don't knock them, like, drag that, yeah, knock I know. Drag. <laughs> It's one of those where it's like, if I hear it or read it, it makes so much sense. And then when you say it out loud, uh, knock down, drag them out. Thank you. Thank That's you. Right. Knock down, drag them out. Uh, but be- yes, facts. I feel like we had a truce uh, in the same way. I offered that to Larry two times um, at the, at the top Larry 12 times in my mentions. Um, you know, we played nice with, with each other today. I was going to say, I appreciate Donovan saying this. There is nobody in the NFL draft. I'm currently more athletic than like I, that's I'm now I'm in my late thirties. I'm 38 years old. We are not even in the hunt. I'm not even as competitive athletically as like Andre, like Andrew Whitworth, who's been retired for two years and is older than me. Like it's over. Right, you gotta, you gotta take care of yourself, man. I, I lift weights. I'm just not competing against them in uh, fucking triathlons like you're trying to do. <laughs> Patrick Laird, no thank you. 
Anyway, no, Pete's team. He's got Fields. Are you dodging him? No, he's dodging me. Oh, yeah, sure he is. Fields, too. <laughs> Desmond Ritter at QB, Ramondre, J.K. Dobbins, Zach Charbonnet, uh, Khalil Herbert, Devin Singletary, Tank Bigsby, Evan Hull. I like your running backs. Uh, CeeDee Lamb, DJ Moore, Drake London, Darnell Mooney, Alec Pierce, Marvin Mims, Paris Campbell, and Mac Hollins. And then Pat Freermuth and Cole Komet. I think it's a good team by Pete here. <laughs> so if you want to vote for Pete's team, I don't know. This hit one, I guess. If you want to vote for my team, which I, I, I would vote for Pete today, honestly. Joe Burrow, Deshaun Watson, Anthony Richardson at QB, running back Josh Jacobs, Tyler Algier, Damian Harris, Zach Evans, Gus Edwards, James Robinson, and Ronald Jones. A receiver, Amon Ross, St. Brown, who I would argue a good value, Jerry Judy, Michael Pittman, George Pickens, Tyler Boyd, Rashid Shahid, and Wandale Robinson. And then a tight end, David Njoku, Dawson Knox, Irv Smith. And Pete, you've gotten the one vote that matters. Larry, <laughs> Larry, Larry I told in the you. Ones. Larry, remember... I don't want to ask you to become Larry one time. That would probably be hard of you, but we are hoping you at least live up to your name as Larry two times. We can't be doing Larry 12 times in the comments. That's that's what got us in this predicament in the first place. Well, there we go, Pete. So that wraps up our first Splash Play Invitational Tournament. At the end of the year, what we're going to do is we're going to track all these winners. And then, uh, Pete, do you want do you, want, what, do you have like a discount to the Overzet store you can give to these people? <laughs> sure, Spags. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yes, I would love to. Um, I will, whoever wins, I will um, front uh, all-inclusive weekend trip to Paris. Uh, <laughs> That's in your uh, the Overset crowds. You cash in at the Overset store. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, so go come back on Tuesday. Again, Ron Stewart joining us on Tuesday. We're very excited for that. We're going to dig deep in the NFL draft, pick our favorite landing spots. We're going to actually put it on the line here. So my Dalton Kincaid's the commander's sake. We're going to actually put that on paper, and we're going to see who ends up coming ahead on that one. Uh, Pete, of course, the ship-chasing ADP chasing show coming up in a little bit, but anything else you want to plug? Uh, yeah, um, those guys just wrapped um, ADP chasing. They pre-recorded it. I'm going to oh. set that for a live premiere, depending on the, the rendering for uploading it, probably around uh, 1 or 2, or uh, sorry, 2 or 3 p.m. So you can keep an eye out for that. Tonight, uh, I'm going to continue my, I've been doing my Best Ball After Dark series. If you're a YouTube member on my channel, I've been doing those, just having a few drinks, talking with friends across the industry about Best Ball life, everything I have. Denny Carter from NBC Sports Edge coming on. I used to do a ton of collabs with Denny back in the day. We did Fantasy Mensa, all of our fantasy football-related bits over there. But I haven't gotten to do a lot with him recently, so it'll be excited to catch up with him. And then am I forgetting anything else? Oh, yeah, so because there's no other um, tournaments right now, so for Best Ball Breakfast on Monday, I will also be doing a private draft too. I'm going to post that link in the Deposit Kingdom Discord, if you are part, uh, if you're a YouTube member, that link will be available to you guys if you want to jump in and uh, battle on Monday morning. So lots of good stuff coming from Pete. Follow him at Peter Overzet. Follow me at Chris Spags, and follow the show at Splash Play Pod. And again, subscribe to the uh, to the channel, like the video, leave a comment down below. We're on that March to 2K subs. We want to hit it uh, before we get like I don't know before we get really into the heart of things. But the sooner the better. So please subscribe here because we do fantasy football all year round here on Splash Play. And that's it for me, Pete. Any parting words here before I hit the outro? You know, I just want to know, like, you know, we're all a big family around here. And sometimes we even welcome you to the family. And we get upset at each other and we yell at each other. We say, Larry, two times, stop fucking commenting, dude. Just relax. And we say, Spags, you're a little piggy. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, we're family around here. That's true. Endless breadsticks for all here. If you are joining the Splash Play team, we appreciate you guys. Hope you have a great weekend. See you on Tuesday for more. So good luck out there. Bye. Here you go.